So I found that having a stronger team, the right persons with the right attitude, with the right skill set, allows the team to function more harmoniously. Um, it is it motivates each member because to see other persons operating at a very high level builds your own um, confidence and your own motivations to want to do well. Welcome to the What Next Podcast, hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. How is your mental health today? Actually, it's good. Um, I'm just recovering from, from being ill. Okay. Um, I have a stress-related thing, you know condition mm -hmm. so when i get really stressed like my body breaks down so i was on a forced vacation last week because of my body but i think in that moment mentally it gave me time to reflect on a lot of things and um especially taking a pause from all the activities that you do and i was uncomfortable with where i was in terms of you know how i even got to that state of being sick and my mental health was really low so I think after recovering, having the time to reflect and making some decisions just based on that, today I'm, I'm, my mental health is good. So based on what happened last week, right, is there anything that you usually do or you will do going forward to ensure that you don't get stressed and to protect your mental health? I think your diet is definitely one, to, uh, one of those things. Um, how you eat, uh, the amount of salt you take in when you eat, um, things like that put stress on your body um, when you're trying to be productive. And I think as you are trying to be productive, um, your inability to cope with pressure or, you know, how your blood circulates through your body, how oxygen is provided to your brain, if there's any restriction of that, I think that affects your mental health. Mm. Um, so eating properly, definitely exercising in terms of um, it being a form of stress release, you know, helping your muscles to relax releasing certain chemicals in your brain that helps you to deal with stress. Um, definitely have to get back there. I used to jog every day. Well, most days out of the week. Mm -hmm. Since the pandemic that has cut down and I just haven't restarted. So <laughs> Since the pandemic, so two years <laughs> two ago. Two years, yeah. Okay. Man, I still play football like every Sunday. Okay. You know what? That's not enough. Um, you need to be more consistent than that. So definitely that and also when to say no. Uh, I think that's something that has plagued me over the years. You're always trying to do a lot or help people. And saying no is a very big thing, you know, because a lot of people are depending on you or um, in certain situations, you're probably the only person who can affect um, something. But you taking that on, obviously, is going to cause mental stress because now you're juggling more things. So I think learning to say no um, is definitely one thing I want to focus on going forward as well. And also coming out of... Re recognizing my age and coming out of day-to-day -day operations. Um, I, was I was telling somebody earlier today, actually, that I think at this age, I don't think I can operate at the same level in the same capacity as I used to. Um, when I was younger, I used to have you know, more, more energy, more time, uh, more mental capacity to stay up till 3 o'clock in the night, like all four nights in a row, just working on something or mm -hmm. getting something to do. No, because I have a family. <laughs> I'm getting older. I have to be more strategic and smarter in terms of how I execute functions or how I achieve objectives and to include others more rather than relying on myself. So I think focusing on those things will help 
uh, maintaining a mental health that is good and something that's sustainable going forward. Failure to do that is just going to make me unproductive. So, so earlier you said that there's some things that only you can do. Do you think that that's a fact or that's based on not setting up things so that more people can do what you would do so you have a team versus everything on your shoulders? No. Um, it's, I don't think it's a fact. I think it's just a circumstance, a current circumstance. And your question is a valid question. Now, as much as you can prepare somebody to do what you do, there's not going to be every single circumstance that um, is exercised for you to transfer knowledge. And therefore, because I'm the creator of things like systems or technology from scratch, um, every single situation in terms of what can go wrong or what can cause something to go wrong has never been explored. So therefore, when it comes up, it takes me right now as it is to be the one to say, no, this could be a potential cause or, you know, you need to fix it. And the team that I have right now is very young and the full knowledge transfer has not yet happened. Um, so at this point in time, I am the only person who can do it. The, the eventual goal is that I will be the person who can say strategically, these are the person to go to if you need the problem solved rather than me solving the problem itself. Yeah, I think that in a lot of us, whether it's entrepreneurs or not, we don't do a very good job of offloading and delegating. Yeah. We believe that True. I am the one who must do this or I am the only one who can do this. I'll never forget, you know, a boss, some, a boss of mine told me years ago that if you do everything, you owe 100% of work. But if you get five people to do it, half as good, you're doing 200% of the work. And I yeah. think that that kind of mentality of recognizing that someone else may not do it to the to your ability, but it's still better that, to offload it. Yeah. And the converse is true. Um, in my experience, what I've seen is that offloading somebody else, they have actually done it better than I would have done it as yeah. well. So sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. It's good yeah. that I really had this person that could um, hear my views, hear the problems that need to be solved, take their own experience. And what they came up with is something that I could not even have conceived of yeah. and done in such a way that I would not even have thought of, but it's actually better than my approach. Yeah. So I've definitely learned from that as well. So both things are true. The ability to include others and also, even if it's not going to be done by you at your level, somebody else can actually do it better. Better, yeah. 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 Um, so you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. And that obviously comes with stress levels right. and you spoke about having to dial it back and say no because the stress levels are too high right so are you saying that though the concept that as an entrepreneur you have to work 24 hours a day seven days a week always up is that not true or is that only for a particular amount of time is that sustainable yes i don't it depends on your, your life circumstance um you have different entrepreneurs that have different circumstances some might have families um and it also has a lot to do with how you align your values um so i'm very family oriented so i try to balance that uh, before i was an entrepreneur before i got married before i had children so therefore my values in terms of you know spending family time is would not have been high up on my priority list because i was by myself at the time so i I think a lot of work goes into being an entrepreneur and it's not just nine to five. Um, 
it's very hard to stop being an entrepreneur throughout the day because even when you go to your bed there's something that you're thinking about and in that sense i think that it is time consuming and also i I think it depends on where you are as an entrepreneur i think starting out early requires more of your time and it's more a period of you need that 24 7 type of push and that lasts for a time and then after time in terms of maturity as whatever you're doing gets more mature there's less time in terms of um operationalizing it and more strategically now how you expand it so i think the time and energy shifts i think it's you know when a person said 24 7 i think it's only periods mm-hmm. and there's events that are happening around those periods are they just starting or maybe going public with an ipo or maybe there's a product that's going to um, help you to have business continuity and those periods require 24 7. so i think it definitely shifts so since i've known you Ray, you have been an entrepreneur right. right always an entrepreneur always starting some kind of business well technically you know from high school so and you are starting entrepreneurship from then. It's true. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> yeah. So do you think that that's innate? Do you think that that is taught? That is nature, nurture? What do you think about becoming an entrepreneur and always wanting to do your own thing? Mm. That's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard question because of what I believe in genetics. But also a hard question because of what I believe um, parents passed on to their children, even in terms of um, their children observing what has not been communicated to them. You're socialized in a part of it because you're around that. So for me, my answer is twofold. Mm. Um, I think that our parents, in terms of their experience, passed down a lot of what they have observed uh, through their behavior to their children so in that aspect i think i was socialized as an entrepreneur i don't know if that's the case for everybody um that's the case for me i i know that you have persons who would have no entrepreneurs in your family and they would see somebody who is an entrepreneur and go to school for it and learn it so even if they were not exposed to it in terms of their you know their family um, background or whatever the case is when they're growing up you could learn it um, so for me, definitely socialized as one or taught one um, is something that happens. Now, when we talk about socialize, um, there's usually a very, how I should say, a direct way in which that is done. Like, you know, if your father has a business or your mother has a business, you come and work during the summer, they teach you, they train you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have persons who their parents are entrepreneurs, you weren't taught, you weren't trained. But by the fact that you were in their space, you heard the talking, you heard the conversations, you saw the benefits of being an entrepreneur or the disadvantages. And in that way, um, you also, you know, learn it. Now, from the genetics point, and this is not a popular view, this is just my um, own thing. No, I, I believe that, you know, as human beings, when you go through certain experiences, I think your DNA changes. And I think scientists agree primarily with that. Yeah. I think those experiences changes your natural responses to certain things or when you get in certain situations. So I think entrepreneurs have a certain mindset, um, have a certain response physically, possibly, you know, um, some persons might deal with adrenaline very well or pressure very well. Some people might not. So you have certain characteristics might help you to be more probable 
of succeeding at being an entrepreneur. I think genetically, um, that is a part of it. Um, as I said, that's a very popular view, but that's something that I've looked into recently because I found myself doing things that my father did. I didn't know that my father did them, but I heard people talking about my father doing it in his business or having this particular way of looking at things. And looking back now at how I run my company and some of the things that I saw or how I dealt with it in terms of my response to stress or um, that I can see similarities in what they have described, although I didn't see it for myself because I wasn't there mm -hmm. um, day to day. So for me, the genetics part does, you know, potentially play um, a role in it. But definitely, I think um, how you're socialized, the experience that you have. I think you, for example, would can attest to that. If yeah. you would have seen your parents go through running a business, there are certain principles that have been instilled in your mind, although yeah. you weren't actively learning it, but you can see it, you know, and you, you understand the realities of it. Like somebody might say, being an entrepreneur is very risky. <laughs> you know that, you've seen yeah. it, you can experience it. Um, you would have seen somebody else working a nine-to-five, not as risky. You, you have experienced that. Um, so for somebody who has seen an entrepreneur live and grow, they would automatically understand what it means. Um, they would also understand that it's not as easy as people make it seem. Like you're being an entrepreneur, oh, you have your own time. But you would know that your parents weren't there or yeah. they came home late or, you know, there are certain freedoms that they didn't have because of how hard they're pushing versus somebody who has never seen an entrepreneur before. They have no um, understanding how it impacts your lifestyle. They don't know of the disadvantages, the advantages. Um, so they wouldn't be aware and their likelihood of becoming an entrepreneur is decreased because of the lack of that experience. So that is how I view it in terms of passing on that. It's, it's, it's very funny that you spoke about things that you do that your father did that you never saw. I was thinking about it a while ago and um, I've had a very large drive this year to do my own thing. Mm. Right? Um, I had it for a long while, but it has been very high this year. And I, when I reflect, when my parents were my age, because my parents are the exact same age, when my parents were my age is when they opened their first business. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. I never thought about it before. Yeah. I never thought about it before. And you spoke about exposure a while ago. So if someone's exposure, entrepreneurship parents, they may think a certain way. And I think that exposure is really important. So a lot of my counterparts um, when we started working worked for companies that were traditional Jamaican companies. They were very stable. So people were there for 20, 30 years. You start working when you're 20, you finish working when you're 65, it's a stable company. People don't really get exited. I spent a few years at a company where people were exited all the time, mm. right? In droves, hundreds of people at one time were exited. Mm. And so I think that when I hear someone say that entrepreneurship is risky and 95 is safe, I don't have that same mindset because mm -hmm. I have seen the tidal shift in our current society, where even the traditional companies are letting people go now. Right. And I saw that 10 years ago. And so both are risky, but I don't think anybody should fool themselves into thinking that a nine to five is safe. safe like those days are gone. Yeah. Those days are gone. <laughs> the, for sure. The day, the, the day of a, I go to work and I stay here for 30 years, 
gone. Yes. Especially with the pandemic and how um, the work culture has shifted, you mm -hmm. know, in terms of how persons can get resources in and out, um, how easy it is to shut down something temporarily and bring it back up when you need. Um, and as you go, um, you know, more on demand and that type of mindset, that's also with labor. Yeah. You know, you can outsource labor really quickly. Now there's agencies devoted to doing yeah. that. If you need to scale down an entire department, you can just ship them out because you have the alternative of, you know, outsourcing um, labor if you need to spin it back up. So definitely it's true. It's not as safe, as you said. When you think of a 95 job or when you envision yourself a 95 job, what feelings do you have? Like, are you like, this is crazy. I could never do this. Like it hurts your heart. It does hurt my heart, but I'm trying to find a more diplomatic way. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest with you, I feel when I think of it, I feel trapped. Yeah. I feel like you will not be able to explore your full potential. Um, for me, being an entrepreneur, having that freedom, I know it's hard, but it gives you full freedom to express yourself and to challenge yourself in whichever direction you want to go. And I think a nine to five restricts you. And that has been one of my major challenges over there because I've worked, um, you know, in a corporate environment and I've also, you know, have my own business at the same time. And one of the things that constantly frustrated me in a nine to five was that I wanted to, I could see a particular thing happening in technology or something I'd like to try. And because of the objectives of the corporate nine to five structure, um, that was not allowed. So your expression or your ability to challenge yourself is channeled in a particular direction. And if that direction is not in line with what you see for yourself or how you see the future, that can be frustrating. So that is the feeling that I get. I, I, I get a feel feeling of shackles being placed on my growth, my development, and how I want to explore. You know what I want to do as a profession. It's funny you say shackles. I was thinking about Emancipation Day and that we're supposed to be free from slavery. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought to myself, so I was having a conversation with some persons with regards to, I personally believe that everybody should be an entrepreneur or an owner. Everybody. And somebody said, no, some people don't want to be an entrepreneur. Some people want to work a nine to five. And I said to them, I don't think that's true. I think everybody wants freedom. Nobody gets up and says, I want to go and have somebody tell me what to do. Nobody thinks that way. Everybody wants freedom. Everybody wants to be able to live the life that they want to live. Again, just my thoughts. Mm. And I think that 9 to 5 is the safest way to earn a revenue without certain responsibilities. So responsibility of finding work, finding sales, creating a product mm -hmm. is the safest way. So... We have been brainwashed to believe that I want to go a nine to five route, but it's not because you want to work nine to five, it's because you want to make money to live your life. And this is the only way that this is the least riskiest way that you're were shown to be able to make money to live your life the way you want to live. Mm -hmm. If somebody if somebody came most people who work nine to five, if somebody came right now and said, Here is twenty million dollars and here it is. They won't go to work because they don't really want to work. They want to have the money. And right mm -hmm. now in our society, you can either work nine to five or be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship, risky, scary, nine to five, I get paid every month. Mm -hmm. And I think most people want freedom, but we have been taught via school, via the education system, via what we see in the media, that 
to achieve your dreams, to buy this car, to buy this house, just come and work with us and you'll be okay. Mm, I, you know, I hear what you're saying and I understand the perspective where you're coming from, but I think that depends on your definition of freedom. Free from what? Mm-hmm. I think there are certain persons who want to be free from making decisions, um, who want to just be told, listen, these are a set of tasks that mm-hmm. need to be executed. You don't have to worry about creating um, the task list or making that decision of where to go if something goes bad. I think some people generally just want to be free of that. I'll take the $20 million, but I still work at 9 to 5. I don't want you know that freedom. And also, you have persons in life who want a particular structure and they operate well in that structure. If you could give them that structure and they don't have to figure about life or be left alone to wonder what's next, um, I think they're they're fine with that, and that's that's okay, because for them to consider the possibility of creating your own structure out of nothing, and the potential of failure, that might be more overwhelming for them. So their mm-hmm. decision is to listen. Nine to five. I'll try and build somebody else's vision. Somebody already knows where they're going, and I have no problem um, working in that environment. So. It's the definition of freedom for me. Freedom from what? I agree that everybody wants freedom, but freedom from what? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you say, you know, people want financial freedom, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody wants that fundamentally. Um, but there are other freedoms that are associated, whether you do it as an entrepreneur or whether you do it as a part um, of somebody else's vision. And, you know, everybody just has to decide which one of those things they want. So based on that, do you think that is entrepreneurship a decision? Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. And I sit down and, I, and I've considered this over the years, you know, because there are times, um, especially with your own business, that as your business is growing, um, as different, you know, there are different shifts in the industry that you're in. For example, the pandemic, you know, would have restricted a lot of companies from investing in technology or um, expanding because of the slowing growth. So, a lot of entrepreneurs had to make that decision. Is it worth it to keep the doors open? Because at the end of the day, you have to decide that, especially if you have other persons who are working for you, if you want to be the person now who is responsible for those persons going forward. And for you to take up that burden on yourself, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you have to decide every day that, listen, I want to be able to live this dream that I have or this vision and also have the burden of other people's livelihoods, um, have the burden of the client's expectation as well. And that's a lot of pressure. So if you're not mentally prepared for it, it is something that can cripple you or something that might be unhealthy for you, um, depending on your personality. So I think 100% you would have to move or be comfortable with making that decision to um, realize the discomfort that comes with it but decide that you're willing to take on that discomfort to achieve a larger objective. So it's 100% decision for me. Is So you can be an employee or you can be a, I guess a business owner where you have a business and it's running smoothly, etc., which is you know a large thing to do. But the things in the middle of that, so whether it is that you are a freelance project manager or you own a store where you have employees, but you have to build a store every day to ensure it runs, right? So let's say you have employee, you have freelance consultant, you have store owner, and you have like a business owner where right. you have an entire company, right? Um, 
do you think that everybody should try and dabble in everything so that if one fails, you have another thing. So therefore, if you're an employee, you should have a little thing selling on the side. Mm. Or if you're an employee, you should have consultancy. So therefore, the job lets you go, you have another source of income. Are you asking this question in terms of um, the experience for everybody? Or are you asking this in the context of everybody should be an entrepreneur? Should everybody have multiple things going on just to be safe? I don't, I don't think that applies to everybody. Okay. I think persons who have multiple things going just to be safe are persons who worry about a financial path um, going forward. If you are, for example, a freelance consultant and every time you, you, know, you do a consultancy for the year, you're, you've made $50 million, just saying, mm-hmm. hypothetically speaking. Um, your lifestyle, let's say, is spend. 15 million out of that 50 million for the year you're safe for 35 million for the next two to three years mm-hmm. and therefore you would focus primarily on your skill set um you know so you can be better at it or you get more contracts you know whatever it is so it, it might not suit you to have multiple things going because you're going to distract you from your purpose no if it is that you are trying um to be an entrepreneur on the side or have something for yourself in terms of some sort of freedom but you don't have the financial freedom as yet it might benefit you to have multiple things so that you have flexibility while you double um so i just think it depends on you know where you are in pursuit of what you ultimately want and what financial freedoms you can gain from your current circumstance i think everybody's response to that is different yeah that's how i like that do you think that schools do enough to help people or teach people about entrepreneurship and how to get on that journey <laughs> as as you're asking that question i'm thinking to myself school never taught me to be an entrepreneur <laughs> okay so maybe should schools do that yeah no um definitely especially especially like in the jamaican context or the jamaican society um you know i've heard several times that you know persons whether from the government institutions or from you know private organizations or associations tell you that jamaica is built on small businesses um unfortunately small businesses are not as structured as they need to be um, even as a small business or a sole trader and uh, that's not taught to you in schools um, what's taught to you in school is like a vocational um, type of education or they're teaching you sciences or traditional um, schools which tells you that you're either going to work for somebody or um, you going to become uh in some sort of profession like a doctor or a lawyer um mm-hmm. so it's work for somebody or be a, a doctor mm-hmm. or a lawyer some sort of profession like that but i think that it's it's critical that as a society that wants to be advanced um especially built on the backs of small businesses that is fundamental that that should be taught um in your primary or you know secondary education as a as something as simple as math and english mm-hmm. you know you have it you have entrepreneurship um, and I think when you put that educational focus um, on that discipline, it then drills into persons that you have options. And then it now becomes more of a decision, an informed decision that, listen, I know what entrepreneurship looks like. I know what the basic principles are. That's not something that I want to do. Or I'm equipped to make that informed decision. And therefore, this is something that I want to do. Um, people will say that, you know, you have things like POB. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. But principles of business and entrepreneurship are, are two different um, things. Entrepreneurship, you know, you're not talking about, well, you should be talking about startup. Um, how do you get it off the ground, you know? Not managing the business after it has already been established. Um, you know, if you go into POB and accounts, this presumes that you're a, have, business. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. a business running and you have money coming in. But how do you find funding? Um, how it's you know how do you get loans? Um, what are the implications for that? You know, um, how do you handle taxes for something? You know, so those are fundamental principles um, that I, do, I don't think a lot of people have, but should um, have. You know, you have farmers out there. Yeah, they went to secondary school. Now they're going to go farming, right? You want to say that you want to get into agriculture, but they have no idea about how to start this farm from scratch, you know, how to go and get loans. They have to learn that now um, in society. And if you don't know who to ask or you don't have access to the information, it can be very frustrating, very difficult. Whereas I think if this is taught in secondary school as um, a discipline or, you know, a subject area, it gives persons that um, foundation that they need to start a small business. The lady downtown now can understand if she wants to expand her business now to other markets um, in Jamaica or even outside of Jamaica, you know, what are some of the things that she needs to look at? And I think it will benefit our people, especially because, as I said, you know, Jamaica is built on small business. I think there is a plethora of subject matters that do not get taught in school, yeah. right? So something as simple as how do I get a passport? Yeah. You know, it seems simple, but you could literally leave school. I don't know how it, what's the process. Right, 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 right. To, as you said, entrepreneurship. I think that, I'm not saying it's the government's fault, but all I would say is that there needs to be a focus on real-life skills. Like there should be a real-life skills course through entire year where you're mm-hmm. learning things that as soon as school finishes, this is what you need to do just to exist in life. This is how I get alone. This is how I do this because those things aren't taught. Right. And when you have somebody leaving school and they don't know how to get a loan or what loans make sense, you have these commercial banks advertising to you and you get flustered. Right. And you take the wrong, make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Um, to your earlier point about entrepreneurship being taught in schools, I think also benefits people who want to go into a nine-to-five. Because way too many employees sit down in the job and don't know how their line of work impacts the business. Right, they right. can't fathom, okay, so if I come to work late, what's the big deal? No, it's a big deal because... Productivity is down. Exactly, <laughs> right? And so I think that even if, as is um, controversial, even if school is geared towards creating employees you can create better employees by teaching entrepreneurship agreed and as it i i'm fully with you on that in terms of the exposure as well i think exposure to that to the alternative um gives you a good understanding in terms of you know how you to value what you currently do um and i think about that in in most things in life you know when you're exposed to the alternative you you, you appreciate the path that you're on and why you've chosen what you've chosen um I think a lot of times, you know, in in just in terms of listening to persons, especially young persons, um, you know, between the ages of twenty um, to thirty five, let's say, and when you when you hear them talk about, you know, um, having their nine to five on how they want to be an entrepreneur, and you know, um, they can just make their own time. 
I first quickly step in and say, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was like, that's not how it works. Um, yeah, you don't have an employer, so to speak, practically speaking, that pays you every month. But you do have a boss, which is your client. And that client has demands of you. And it might be more so than your boss who asks you to work for a nine to five. It's actually worse because when you are an entrepreneur, not only do you have clients or customers, you have somebody trying to steal those clients or customers. customers as well, right? So, you know, it's it's a whole different mindset. So when they talk, they talk in ignorance of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and, you know, how to actually um, evaluate that process. So for me, after educating them about, you know, my own experience, and I'm not saying that I'm the best entrepreneur in the world. I just have had experience doing it and especially from a family business point of view and my own business as well and when you explain to them what it takes to be an entrepreneur and to start a company and to um, fight for your time and how to prioritize your time the conversation changes yeah all of a sudden everybody's like wait hold on what <laughs> no hold on just give me the nine to five and let's rethink what this entrepreneurship um, thing actually entails so definitely, I think the exposure will help. And that, that's, a, that's a part of education, you know. Yeah. Um, the exposure helps and it makes you, as you said, better employees. Um, one of the other things that I thought about as well is that if you teach entrepreneurship, um, you know, in schools, when you talk about um, an effective labor force, you, you then build the country um, in that way. And... For me, what I have seen with more advanced societies is that entrepreneurship seems to be built into um, the younger generation from an earlier point that we do here in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. You know, they're taught like this is how a business runs, this is what you come and do. And what you find happening is that those persons, in terms of their contribution, they start to contribute back to their society at a much earlier um, age than we experience in a Jamaican society. You don't have persons contributing to entrepreneurship till you see somebody in their 30s or in their 40s um, trying to do something, whereas in other countries, they're starting this from 20s. Yep. Um, you know, so they have a decade or two upon us. You know, So I think it's very interesting in terms of when you compare other societies and how they have exposed their um, younger generation or children versus what we've done in Jamaica. That's a very interesting point. It's... It goes back to responsibility. Mm. And as an entrepreneur, you understand that everything is your responsibility. So a simple example is when you work at 95, when 5 o'clock comes or 6 o'clock, you go home. Mm. If the building is on fire, not your responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> but if you're an entrepreneur and the pipe busts and it's 12 in the morning, you have to go and fix it. Yep, your responsibility. Right? And so that translates into society as well, where you don't understand that if I don't do something to increase sales in my country of, of local goods, it will impact our overall GDP. Yeah. Like that type of mindset that, as I said, we don't do a good job here in Jamaica of letting everybody, every little thing that happens impacts all of Jamaica, not just its community, but everybody. Mm. And I think that that's something that can be our a stepping stone to be used to get us back in a better place in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, so when you speak to kids, right, because you're also a lecturer, right, 
what do you tell them about entrepreneurship in terms of do you encourage them along that path or do you just, or you know follow your dreams for lack of a better word yeah i i will i encourage them um simply because of the the space that i am in um, which is technology um i think it as tech entrepreneurs i think it's important in terms of advance in the community so i try to teach them the difference um between you know what technology looks like from a nine-to-five perspective versus what it looks like an entrepreneur and i like to use real estate a lot of times like you know when you leave um university you're a plumber or you're an electrician um you know you want to be a hotelier or the owner of a real estate property and that's the same way that you have um software so the conversation for them is always okay when you leave here now you can either decide that you want to use a skill set in a particular environment um, to help a team build out um, what is already established or you can decide um, that you want to own your own software or your own piece of tech real estate so to speak that you rent to persons or you sell to other persons based on what you have and that distinction comes back down to what is your objective what do you love um what do you want to do if it's if you are not interested in um, making money from it or in advancing an idea um then that's not your passion then don't go there mm -hmm. um if your passion is just developing technology and seeing how it works and being a part of a team you can do that as well earning a living um and you have to be comfortable doing that so i give them both sides and ask them to choose based on their personality and their own objectives for themselves where they see themselves um, but once you explain it to them they have i've had students say to me after giving this talk about entrepreneurship and the choices that people have to make um, especially in the tech industry they a lot of them told me that i broke their spirit um <laughs> you know because basically i'm telling them after four years they're coming out as an electrician or a plumber mm -hmm. and when they came back though they said that they appreciated the differentiation because it was very clear to them now the path that they um, can now take and after listening to what an entrepreneur does versus you know the team aspect of the corporate life um, they're more clear in terms of okay some of them genuinely said i don't want to be an entrepreneur i don't want to own real estate i don't want to expand um you know an idea I don't want to launch an IPO. I just want to write code. <laughs> and I'm happy doing that. Um, I want to build back in terms of giving back to the open source community. I'm, you know, I'm that type of person. So the response has actually been interesting. I didn't expect their spirits to be broken, but it was. I think, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's interesting to say the spirits were broken. I think that... <clears throat> When we think about what happens after school, or better yet, when we think about what we're told in school, we're, we're, we're sold, for lack of a better word, we're sold a lie. Mm. Right? So traditionally, doctors and lawyers are told that this is the cream of the crop. You're going to win big in life. Similarly, you know, from, from when we started school up until now, Technology is a hot button topic, right? Mm -hmm. People think, oh, if you're going to IT, I'm going to do great. The reality is, is that whether you're a doctor, lawyer, engineer, IT person, if you come out of school 
and stay at a particular level, that's where you'll stay. Yeah. You're not going you're, you're, you're just a tool. Right. So if you come out of school as a as a medical doctor and you have not expired to anything else, you will just be a GP. That's it. You that's will it. call you, pay a little bit of money, and that's it. You have to invest in yourself to specialize, etc. Right. And it's the exact same thing with every profession. Right. You can be the plumber that works under somebody and they call you when, when they're good at a job, or you can start your own, or you can give out your card at everybody's house and says, Call me directly. Right. Right. You have to decide if you're going to be the apprentice or the man the person call. Yeah. And I think that unfortunately, school don't break it down to us like that. No, and you're right. And I think that is why I found it important to speak to them in that way. Because um, being myself, being in their situation, being told that, okay, um, you know, you get a degree, this is the life that um, you'll have. Life and, is great. Yeah, your life is great. <laughs> to be honest, when I left school, it was very frightening for me, right? Because I'm thinking to myself, I don't know where to go from here. Um, I've never had an official job before. I don't know what options are there for me. I hear about Bill Gates, but Bill Gates is one in a billion people, you know? How possible is that going to... I can't be at Bill Gates where I am. I mean, I could, but my mindset wasn't Mm -hmm. that I can be. And I think um, not knowing the options was very scary because you don't know now if even what you're choosing to be the right path or your circumstance is even something that can be done Mm -hmm. or if there's another way that you can choose um, in terms of preference. And I think um, my experience in terms of starting a company, offering the services that I do offer um, and being able to communicate that to a person to say, listen, this is an avenue. And the alternative to that avenue, because I know what the alternative is, is this avenue. And both avenues are good. But you have to decide which one you want to go down. And, you know, as I gave them a speech to rebuild their spirits that, you know, as a, a tech person, um, as a tech entrepreneur as well, you have the ability to go into almost any industry and apply your trade. The good thing about tech entrepreneurs is that problems are, are like currency for us. Mm-hmm. Once you're able to solve a problem and offer a solution on a technical level or using technology, um, you can start an industry or even um, a product and you can become an entrepreneur. So you're not defined um, by a nine to five. You're not defined by the unknown. You are defined by informed decisions. These are your options. And with any um, industry, as you said, once you've applied your mind to this is what I want to do or these are my options, you can go. You can become um, the next, you know, Bill Gates and makes Elon Musk if that's what life affords you. So the options are endless um, once you're informed and once you know early enough. The problem with me is that I found out this like 10 years after going, you know, leaving university when I actually started a company and I saw that this could actually work. Nobody ever told me this. Um, no, those um, students were nearly losing university. They know this immediately yeah. as they go and they can um, work on the projects um, as they come out of school and they're not worried um, necessarily about you know the fact that they're they're not getting the right nine to five or an immediate nine to five that um, makes them a manager or um, gives them immediate financial freedom at least no the financial freedom as a path is there 
but the stepping stones are more clear in terms of you know what avenues you can take if it's if it's one thing that i would like you know especially people in it to know right i mean this is it for every industry but i don't know how to apply it to every industry do stuff for free build your portfolio mm. so if you are a logo designer if you are a website creator go to the store down the road you have an instagram page your website no do it for them you have a logo do it for them why why would you think that's important everybody needs to build their portfolio mm. and every time you apply for a job in the quote real world they ask okay so but where's the experience what can you do and when you can point to your 50 websites created mm -hmm. or point to the one of the logos you've created it's like oh you do have experience and the reality is just like with anything in life the more you do it the better you get at it yeah correct and so if you do something once or twice in school for a major project that's yeah. just it closer to ten thousand hours right Ex exactly <laughs> right exactly um but based on what you said a while ago though it it do you think that mentorship is important then so people can have someone to help them along the journey? Yeah. Um, we've seen it, you know, worldwide. When you have persons who are able to pass on like a per like personal experiences or um, things that they have learned that they can practically um, point to or help you to apply to your own life, um, that always works out best. You know, school is the same thing. I. I when persons ask me, do you need to get a degree or not? I said to them, if you look at a degree as 15 years of experience condensed into four years, then that's pretty much what it is. You, you took a uh, lot of person's experience. You took out the best principles that worked. You condensed it and you put it into a four-year degree. Um, so for me, experience is really what we're here to gain or to to learn so mentorship um, is a form of education it saves you time in terms of um, the mistakes that you might uh, make and it gives you a good foundation to build now do i think that mentorship is something that is done very well in jamaica um, people do it yes and some people have done it effectively is it wide scale i don't think so um, do i think it's promoted in the universities like how it's in done in the united states take for example sororities or um, fraternities mm -hmm. um, they have strong mentorship programs you know especially with the alumni and they try to look out for each other past on that um, here you more say that with high schools and yeah. not necessarily you know with universities where it really matters um, because you're getting you've gotten the education now to go out um, what do you need next and that's I think that's where mentorship is needed um, especially as you you're formulating that next step so for Jamaica, I don't think it's done well. I think it's very important. I think um, it will build society. It will allow us to advance faster. Um, but yeah, it's something I think persons, generally speaking, can look at and see how best they can help. I have a very controversial question. Mm. Something I've been thinking about. Yeah, I don't run from controversy. <laughs> <laughs> what if the employment structure was abolished right and all that existed were for lack of a better word tradespeople. so similar to a house mm. i want to build a house right i hire a contractor and the contractor hires a plumber a electrician a mason right 
Dolly Super employs the contractor. The contractor gets these people, they come, they work on the job, mm-hmm. and they leave. Mm-hmm. So the base will come, flash up a wall between 8 to 10, and go on somewhere else because he has multiple things coming in. Right. So what if we could do the same thing for corporate structure so i need an account team an it team and a legal team instead of hiring people to payroll could a corporate structure be run strictly on freelance people freelance admin person freelance secretary freelance all of that is your question is it possible or is your question should all company structure be like this could it be that way yeah, man, for sure. I think it's possible um, to have a structure like that. And I think the type of industry that you're in um, will lend itself to that. And the reason I ask is, and I during the pandemic, there were so many people who started a double job mm-hmm. because the concept of I must be at work at 8 o'clock, and I'm sitting, even though I'm at work from 8 to 5, I'm doing nothing for four hours a day. Mm-hmm. But I'm just physically there. Mm-hmm. So now, instead of giving you eight hours of day for four hours of work, I can give four hours to you on demand and four hours elsewhere on demand. Yes. And so therefore, me being a entrepreneur, I can still fulfill what you need. Right. But I'm not employed to you. Yes. But as I said, that's going to... All right, so here's what I'll say. Yes, it can work, right? It's possible. And you'd have to ensure that there are policies in place to protect each party. Um, I think why 9 to 5 works in some industries is because the protection that is afforded um, to persons to work in that organization. Um, You have 9 to 5, we are technically responsible for you um, for an extended period of time. there are certain benefits that you get as a group, you know, uh, in a company, life insurance, you know, health, mm-hmm. things like that. So while I would say that, yes, it's possible, I don't know if it's practical for all industries, especially one that, um, ones that change how companies work. Uh, and I mean, you're in the financial industry, for example. You have a particular bank. Um, this bank wants you to operate in a particular way with its own rules, with its own regulations, um, with its own systems. Is that knowledge transferable? No, not necessarily. And you'd have to relearn every time you go to a different job. Now, in an industry where they, the skill set is very transferable, then yes, that might you know lend itself to um, that type of structure. IT coding, for example, you're a coder. You don't have to learn a different... Um, type of structure it does coding so it's transferable you can go mason same thing you flash up a wall you flash up a wall um transferable can go but when you come to more um specialized skills or you know companies that operate in a particular way i think it becomes less practical so yes it's possible but i don't think it's suited yeah Yeah. now i i think about it a it benefits both parties again if it's possible you the employee you can now earn two or three different incomes Mm-hmm. based on your current eight hour day mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of sitting in a chair all day long for one company mm-hmm. and the employer is also able to just not waste time in quotes with people who or or watching people or, or managing people who really don't want to be there all day long they come they deliver a service and they leave 
Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like a... Sounds like utopia. Yeah, because I was going to say, because now, here's what you're going to also um, have to take into consideration. When you start to implement that type of model, um, now you have to start worrying about taxation. Um, how does that not work? Because you're now forcing that person as they go from job to job to keep updates on all the paperwork, um, all the contracts that they're transitioning from, from company to company, and also um, taxes that I have to pay to the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no one extra operational overhead mm-hmm. that they have to take on to themselves along with that um, mobility that they have. Whereas if you're working at 95, you never have to worry about that headache ever in your life. And I guess going back to your original point, that's one of the things that people don't want to do for entrepreneurship. Exactly. They just want to go somewhere, get paid, get life insurance, get health insurance and go home. Exactly. I don't want to have to spend Sundays going through taxes, doing through paperwork, um, going through the actual discipline of um, keeping records so that when I get audited by the government, you know, um, this is something that is a nightmare for me. I've been audited by the government. It's not a nice experience. So, you know, once again, although I think that mode can work, there are other implications. And that's why I said I don't think it's suited for um, every industry. Um, as an entrepreneur, you know, can you explain the importance of having a strong team? For your business and you know maybe what hurdles you've gone through but you didn't have a strong team yeah so well obviously the answer is going to be yes <laughs> it's important to have a strong team um i can talk about the the downsides of having of not having a strong team and and before you go ahead strong team not say employees but you know support teams whether it's account or finance or stuff that help a business go along yeah and as I said, I've had the privilege of going through both sides of this, having a strong team, having a, a team that is not so strong, or a team with gaps, and the implications for your performance, um, especially as a company you know, who is um, trying to grow. Um, previously, I would say that the teams that you have assembled together um, will have different functions or different objectives. And if you have, for example, persons who are weaker in terms of their skill set, uh, a lot of time is spent on training or fixing um, things that go wrong as a matter of bad procedure or lack of knowledge. And usually um, it's more expensive or cost you more to fix those issues later on um, than ensuring that best practices or the strongest um, things are put forward. So the implications of having a bad team is that you risk losing the or reducing the quality as well as it might cost you longer um, in the long run or more in the long run um, to rectify those situations. I found that having a stronger team, the right persons with the right attitude, with the right skill set, allows the team to function more harmoniously. Um, it, is, it motivates each member because to see other persons operating at a very high level builds your own um, confidence and your own motivations to want to do well. Uh, Team dynamic, in the other sense, if you see other persons who are not performing at the same level, you might not be motivated to perform at the same, and therefore productivity is low. Uh, So I've seen environments where each member is very strong, all the gaps are filled, and everybody's in the same room operating at a very high level, and the, the chemistry is amazing in terms of what is produced, the level of productivity that is achieved. 
versus persons who are in a team environment, not everybody's at the same um, level. And you can see that energy is drained or persons are not as motivated to push because everybody is not at the top of their game. And additionally, with gaps as well, that also um, frustrates persons because there are things that you want to have happen as a team and you can't move as fast because a gap is there. And that gap is either very slow um, in being addressed or not addressed at all. And that can also be demoralizing in terms of your productivity or, you know, how you go about achieving your tasks or your objectives. So definitely having a strong team, I think, is important. And I, I don't think enough of that is done um, in my experience. And I, it's something that I've had to learn. I've, I've lived this. And one of the key points for our um, teams going forward is that we start to say, okay, listen, if the person is not benefiting the team or they're not operating at a particular level, we have to make a decision that this is something that can't continue just for the team uh, moving forward because that level of quality not being there is going to, one, hinder us, prevent us to grow, and it's going to both be bad for the person who is there as well as us because the person who is there will not be able to live up their full potential um, in that environment as well and they probably need a different environment to you know exercise their full potential so it's an interesting balance in terms of the dynamic that you have to work out so you're touching on a topic that most people rightly so aren't comfortable with and most people, even a management position, have never actually done before because we shy away from it. Exiting people, which mm. is obviously a part of entrepreneurship. Yep. Right. How how difficult is it? How was your how difficult was your first exit? <laughs> Barsha, I'm not gonna lie to you, hard. <laughs> um, and it's hard specifically because you, especially in, when you have a smaller team, you get to know these person's personal lives and you know that your decision is going to affect their personal life i think that is one of the hardest things um, because you have to know balance you are affecting somebody's personal life but at the same time there are many other persons um personal life that is also being affected the person stays so it was hard for me to know that i had to let somebody go and know that I was going to be affecting their personal life in a negative way because not a lot of persons take that news um, very well. Uh, one of the things that I try to do as a part of my strategy is to look for alternative positions at other places or um, re-look at the person's strengths and weaknesses and try and guide them down you know, career paths or different companies that I see openings at that I think that they will strive very well at. Um, because as much as we exit persons for different reasons, um, some exits might be because of financial constraint. Um, that's a different you know, kettle of fish. But at the same time, the same approach can be taken where alternatives are provided for that person. Um, if the exit is because of a strength or a weakness and they don't fit well with the team, then same approach you look for the strength in the person and look at environments that your strength can actually shine right so um exiting is very hard but at the end of the day a decision has to be made um is it one person's personal life that's going to be affected or is it many people 
And I think as entrepreneurs, we have to emotionally balance that and make the right decision for you know the team and for the objective that we're trying to achieve. Um, what advice do you have for the younger, the rain is 20s, rain is 30s? What advice do you have for him? Pay your taxes on time. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, you know, um, and that's 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 a, uh, I think that's a part of the disadvantage of being an entrepreneur. Sometimes, um, being an entrepreneur, we don't have the opportunity to look at real life scenarios that will impact your growth um, if not made early um, as an entrepreneur starting out i was just there to open a business um, the operational side of it was muddy and as an entrepreneur that's one of the things that's going to help you in terms of building a team as well because you have persons who understand finances a lot better than you um, in terms of the area that you're going in so as an entrepreneur starting out um, trying to handle HR issues, financial issues, and to develop the idea that you have gone into, it's very hard and it's very consuming. And believe me when I say you will not be able to understand all areas of what it takes to run a business. And if somebody had told me um, from the beginning to ensure from you, the day one you start to ensure that you, your record keeping is good, um, that you always ensure that your taxes are paid on time. Um, I think it would have allowed me to structure the company better um, at the time that I first started out. And that would have been advice that I would give to myself when I started out. Make sure that you have... And it's not just about paying taxes. It's about structure. I'm ensuring that the proper structure is in place uh, for your company to grow or the proper foundation is there for you to grow. That is going to come back to bite you if you don't ensure that that structure is in place i've lived it so i you know that is my yeah that's my advice that i would give to younger me also i think my second advice would be don't be restrained by what other people think can and can't work um, for you um, as an entrepreneur you have to have a, a vision for yourself and to believe in what you can achieve and what i've found over the years um is that you know you have these ideas of what can work and persons telling you because of their own limitations or, or their own circumstance that no that's not possible or it doesn't work in that way that yours is not going to work and i've seen where people have told me that mine is not going to work but it works mm -hmm. and it did work and that's my experience but that's because of the belief that i had and me having that belief came late um, in life if I'd known that I should believe in what I wanted early and have the courage to fail early then I think it would be different and I think that's another I think that's that for me would be the third thing I would tell myself fail early um, as entrepreneurs people don't talk about the failure side of things as an entrepreneur you have to be willing to fail and you're going to probably fail a lot of times along the way um, 
because entrepreneurship is about newness. You know, you're developing um, something new. You're you're putting a structure around something that didn't exist. So there's going to be pain points. There's going to be kinks that you need to work out in terms of um, operating. And if you fail early, you will have the mindset or the courage to um, get up and start over very quickly because you have a lot of time. If you're trying to be an entrepreneur at 60 years old or you know 65, failing early is, is you, you're running out of time. You know, So fail early, do it as early as you possibly can. Yeah, I think that so there are two things I say. The first is I was watching a podcast and this guy said on a podcast that he tells anybody who wants to become an entrepreneur or start any business, Every day when you go to Kentucky or Starbucks or wherever you go, ask for a 10% discount. He says, mm. just do it every day. He says, they can't do it. But hearing no every day builds up your self-esteem. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a serious thing. It's because as you said, failing, being told no, is a part of entrepreneurship. It's a yeah, part of sales. Sure. Yeah. You can't be an entrepreneur if not selling your product. You, you have to be comfortable with being told no. Yeah. Um, that's one. The second thing I'd say to your first point about the team, I always tell people, utilize the team around you. So not everybody has the, the luxury of having a mentor, which is totally fine, right? Um, if you don't have it. If you can, great. But if you don't have it, it is already at the correct moment in time. If you went to school and you had a friend, or you, if you're in school doing IT, don't just speak to IT people. Make friends in hospitality, in HR, in finance. Make friends in every division, team, department, whatever it's called. Similarly, if you're in a 9-to-5 job, make friends in every team. Mm. Because what you want to do is, when you want to start your business, just go and talk to them and ask them something. Mm. Be comfortable with saying, okay, person in finance, um, I'm thinking about something, can you give me some ideas, some advice, right? Too often, we stay within our own little cliques, which is not always good if you want to grow. Right. And secondly, we're not, we're too afraid to ask people for help. Right, right. And going back to the previous point, you know, some time ago is your friend who just finished school, who knows finance, who knows HR, also needs to build their portfolio. So let them let's work together for free yeah because more than likely they will need some help in your field and you need help in their field and you, you work for each other for free until somebody's business does well and you can afford to pay start paying each other but don't do it on your own be be willing and be vulnerable to ask for help and that's something that most of us don't do in every aspect of our lives yeah not true um Definitely, and I think as an entrepreneur, listening to you say that now, and thinking back to how I've been able to visualize expansion is for asking help, and you're absolutely right. A lot of it has to do with like your network, um, you know, people that you grow up with sometimes as well, and they're doing other things that are not related to yours. But when you reach a certain point that they might know um, an entire industry of persons, who they have an ear of or, you know, they have connections to. And utilizing that and asking them for help and being vulnerable to say, listen, 
and my company or what I'm doing is not at the level that it is where I want it to be right now. And I, you know, I think you could help me by expanding it, you know, and probably even working together on projects could expose how the synergies can actually benefit both sides. But you're right, being able to be vulnerable enough to say, yo, I need your help um, in this particular way or let us partner mm-hmm. and not being, sometimes if, even persons have a problem with control. Um, you know, not necessarily wanting to involve other persons because they, they might lose control or they don't want to do it this particular way. And partnering with somebody might ask you to revisit how you've even thought about expanding. You know, you might have to shift. And some persons are comfortable with that as well because that's an unknown factor that you never considered before. But um, I think circumstances that you look back at, most cases like that have benefited or reaped success. So. I definitely think it's something that you can consider. Um, so you've told us, you know, your your journey so far, you know, what's next for you? What's next in your next 5, 10, 15 years? What's next? So for me, I think being where I am now, I would have almost done everything that I would have set out to do or almost um, done everything that I wanted. I'm at a point now where I'm like, I've never thought about how far I can take what I'm doing now. So the next step for me is what does a mature version of what I'm doing look like? Um, how do you expand that? What are the next steps in terms of growth? Um, I see a lot of technology around the place. I see the the shift in how persons experience things. So for me, the next steps are to explore as much as I can in the next five years so that in the next five years, I can determine what maturity looks like for where I am. You know, I, I think about, for example, the travel industry, right? Where I am now, um, especially because of my parents' influence as well, um, there's been a lot of experience in tourism and what that looks like. And starting a business, accomplishing what you've set out to do, um, doing most of the things that you've accomplished, I've started to realize that most companies or most people at this time look for the mature version. And in travel, for example, I'm seeing now where virtual reality is coming in. People don't have to leave or go on a plane to travel necessarily to kind of plug in. Mm-hmm. And maturity for me now looks like, okay, stop thinking about your product or yourself and what you have offered and how do you serve other people now and look at a bigger vision of what maturity looks like. And I think at this point in life, I'm now thinking about, okay, how do I stop thinking about what I have achieved or what's on my checklist and how do you involve other persons? How do you... Um, affect a community um, how do you give back or pass on everything that you've learned up, up to this point to the next generation or to the wider community and I think that's what maturity looks like for me and I think that's what I'm trying to seek out now you know what does a mature ray um, look like so definitely to explore and to see how best I can use what I have gained or learned to impact a wider community outside of myself and outside of a checklist that I've created in my mind for the last you know, 20 um, years. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you want to dive into a similar What Next episode, 
check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.